With the turning of time, the seasons change. The final season where she grows to her zenith is nigh. This is the season of the Lich. This week on Schedule for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I speak with Adam and Ken about their upcoming board game, Season of the Lich Echoes. Recruit champions, root out imposters, and save the world in this epic game based on an absolute classic. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I am super excited to be joined by two wonderful creators for our first ever board game episode. So, Adam, Ken, thank you so much for joining me on the show this week. Glad to be hey, here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's hilarious to me because I've had tons of tabletop role-playing games, but you guys were the first to approach me about a board game and I kind of thought about it and was a little bit surprised about that. Nobody's ever actually talked to me about bringing a board game on. So I'm really excited to, to kind of go into that and see some of the differences and talk to you about seasons of the Lich echoes, because this game is really cool and harkens back to a game that I really liked when I was younger too. First of all, I didn't know we were the first board game, so yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> uh, that's cool. We're, we're breaking ground here with that. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Season Lich Echoes, there's, I think as we, as we kind of talk about it tonight, you're going to, um, you're going to see a lot of, of compare and contrast things that are actually probably pretty close to developing a, a tabletop RPG as well. Yeah. Um, that kind of, you know, bleeds into the board game genre. <laughs> Yeah, and this game's one of those interesting ones because it's also got that story. It reminds me of, uh, oh, Mice and Mystics and Gloomhaven, kind of like that style. Yes. Um, so I'm really excited to get talking about it. But before we really dive into Seasons of the Lich, can you guys tell me a little bit about yourselves? Sure. Um, my name is Adam. I go by Knock pretty much anywhere on the internet. Uh I have basically been designing board games, mostly for my friends, uh, for probably the better part of two decades now at this point, and after having several, <laughs> a lot, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of failures, a lot of uh, junky, janky things, um, <laughs> you know, it, it takes some time, but eventually we found a, a couple of games that we would just continually play, and you know, my buddies would always ask, hey, can you bring over that one? Can you bring over that one? And then, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where this is going. Um, but other than that, <laughs> other than that, I'm a, I'm a tabletop nerd, just like most other people, I guess, that you probably have on your show. Yeah, a fair few of them, at least. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm Ken. I often go by Keegan online. Um, I've been working on the story that we based uh, Seasons of the Lich echoes off of for more than 20 years at this point i started doing something yep, yep. in uh middle school with it starting as like a D, D campaign featuring mind flayers and stuff like that mm -hmm. but um over time decided that wasn't really the realm i wanted to go and started designing my own stuff 
outside of this, uh, I do some video gaming, uh, tabletop gaming, often with Adam. Uh, I do a lot of reading, and I'm, I am getting back into doing some writing. That seems to have been a, like a theme lately with guests who have been on the show, is a lot of people are getting in touch with their writing roots again. And I'm really excited. I don't know what's up with that, but it's in the air. Like I, I started a writing class not too long ago, and just it, it seems to be a theme lately of a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm trying to get back into writing. So I'm excited to hear more about that down the line, Ken. Absolutely. <laughs> so... Before we really heavy deep dive into this game, because I know that once we actually start talking about it, we're probably not going to come back. How did you two meet and start working on this game together? Oh, man. Uh... It's actually better if Adam tells the story. He remembers the details of our first meeting a lot better than I do. So, so both of us went to university together. Um. And uh, I I was dorming over there, and one of my dorm mates had said, hey, you have to go to the university center. There's a barista over there that makes all these crazy drinks. Okay. What? What are you talking about? So, yeah, naturally, I'm, I'm curious, right? And I like coffee. Hell yeah, let's go. Um, sorry, can I swear on here? I'll try not oh, to. Oh, yeah, no, do it. Go okay, for it. We're right. rated explicit for a reason. Gotcha. gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Good. Um, okay. So yeah, the uh, you know my friend takes me over to to the university center. We go up to the little cafe there, and here's this <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> little like meek person. <laughs> and I'm talking about Ken here, <laughs> and he's got like a vest on. He looks great. Looks dapper. And uh, I I don't even I forget what they even said. They they walked up and they said, "Hey, hey, Adam, I want to introduce you to the Mad Alchemist." I'm like, "What? What, what the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> and and I looked over and here's Ken. He's like, "Yeah, what are you having?" And then he pulled out this book, like a recipe book, and it had like like you would never think if you just opened up this book, you'd never think that this was coffee drinks at all you got random shit on there like uh easy like sunday morning uh what's another <laughs> one one of my favorite drinks that he makes is uh um the empire strikes back uh another drink that he makes that's become famous over here is bollywood latte and that's exactly it like when you see this shit and you start tasting these drinks that he crafted himself I know I'm giving you a lot of like shine right now, Ken. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I was, I was genuinely, I was, I was genuinely like in a in a beacon of light from heaven when I seen all this. <laughs> it felt great. So naturally, you know, I tried. I think the first one I tried was Empire Strikes Back, which I think you're right. Yeah, which which what do you know? Do you remember what that was off the top of your head? Uh, I do remember it had uh, grape jelly and peanut butter in it, as well as ladyfingers, and it was blended with some coffee as a smoothie. Yeah. What? Okay. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yep, I, got I got it right here. Grape jelly, peanut butter, cocoa, espresso, and milk. There you go. Wild. So, <laughs> so 
I yeah. So anyway, I I order that, and uh, you know, fell in love with his drinks basically instantly. Uh, and since I dormed there, I was a pretty regular customer. Uh, so eventually we got talking. By the way, it doesn't end with this weird little uh recipe book that he's got. <laughs> he would bring to him, bring with him uh self-labeled bottles and jars and and beakers of st- he really played off this mad alchemist shit and it was a lot of fun um and it that's, definitely that's how was he, a lot of fun yeah yeah it was so good <laughs> and and so that's how that's how we met initially after that uh we talked a little bit found out that he's got more nerdy bones in his body than i do so Ooh. so uh, yeah, it just it turned into a hey, do you play D and D? And we just kind of hit it off from there. That was surprisingly twelve years ago. Really? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're right. Jesus. <laughs> I had one of those moments on an episode way back, uh, about quarter to half a year ago. I was interviewing a buddy, and he's like, "Yeah, we've known each other for almost." almost 20 years now and i was like oh holy crap (laughs) (laughs) yeah not prepared for that information (laughs) no not at all (laughs) so wow that's amazing to me that it went from adam being like this guy makes incredible coffee and ken being like this guy rolls up and buys coffee all the time (laughs) and now you're making the game together (laughs) yeah yeah we've uh since then i mean i I, I want to say it wasn't too much longer after we met. You know, I got married and then moved out to the t- the city. Um, and then come to find out he lived two miles away from me. Uh, and then <laughs> for a decade or so, barring the pandemic and all that bullshit, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we've been having regular game nights every week. So uh, it just kind of grew from there. Yep, and whether it be we're working on a D&D campaign or working through one of Adam's D&D campaigns, I do mean, uh, or we're playing, let's say, uh, Betrayal at the House on the Hill or uh, Scattergories or uh, Dice Throne or whatever we have over there right now. There's a game library he has going. That... Yeah, guilty. What, what was your last count? Mm. I don't even remember. Uh, um, a lot. I don't know. Every every week, it felt like I was bringing over another board game, and we just got this mountain of board games in the corner of his house now. <laughs> <laughs> so, definitely board game advocates. Um, definitely. And I, think, and I think we've had. I think the longest running uh, campaign we've had was somewhere almost three years, a little bit over two and a half years. That sounds right. That's exciting, too. That's super exciting. And that kind of brings us into this project now. What is Seasons of the Lich Echoes? Adam, you want to take this one? (laughs) I think you you got the better handle on it to explain it than I do. Sure. Seasons of the Lich Echoes is two to six player. Um, quest management party builder board game okay. with a with a hidden betrayer mechanic. 
we're pulling a lot of influence from a few games. Uh, some from, there's this game called Shadows Over Camelot. Yep. Uh, that's a, it, that's basically the quest management side of it. Um, and then we were pulling from, uh, from a video game, actually, uh, Sukoden. Yeah, uh, it's great. Yes. Yep. Uh, so any, anyone out there that's a, like a JRPG fan, and if you've never heard of Sukoden, you're doing yourself a disservice. <laughs> yep. Uh, but, uh, heavy, heavy influence from that. Um, and in fact, it, it originally, the board game itself was originally designed to be a Sukoden 2 board game. Okay. But, but uh, I think we'll touch on that later. Anyway, the, yeah. the game itself is, as I described, you know, it's a two to six player with the hidden mechanic, which is getting big right now. Like a lot of people love the hidden betrayer mechanics in board mm-hmm. games. Uh, and. Yeah, I mean it's it's grim dark fantasy. It's very dark and heavy, but it's also something I didn't I didn't prep you on. Uh, it's actually a gateway into more products that we have and ideas that we have down the road. Okay. Yep. Well, that'll be interesting. Maybe we can touch up on that another time. But I did say earlier that this game did remind me of things like Gloomhaven and Mice and Mystics which have a general story. I haven't played too much of either, but there's story elements in that quest management part. Ken, as the narrative lead of the game, what's the story that we're looking at in this game? So the story you guys are looking at is this is the culmination of a centuries-long campaign uh, against the Lich, uh, the first iteration of Undead in the World of Orn. Trying to think how detailed I want to get with this explanation because I could <laughs> I could go on for hours at length. Ramble. This could be um, ramble. <laughs> rambles fine, but that's the gist of it right there. We're looking at the final moments of this war. This is the precipice point. This is where either side could win, and that is the whole point of the game, especially when you're playing with more than two players. It's possible for the heroes to lose. It's possible for the bad guys to win. And that's totally okay narratively. It makes sense. That kind of plays into that that time mechanic that's part of this game. Yes, precisely. Do you guys want to talk about that a little bit? Because I think that's really interesting. and adds like something. It adds some pressure in a very cool Agreed. way to a board game. Yeah, um, there's definitely a sense of urgency with this. Uh, every every turn, there is a chance to advance the the power or the influence of, of the lich, and um, and actually, it's better to say every turn you will advance the power <laughs> and the influence of the lich. <laughs> it's just a varying degree. Uh, so there is a meter. And depending on how many players you are, there's a there's a cap. There's a there's an end to it. Once you hit the end, it's game over, man. Uh, but it, you know it it turns into that that race of strategic thought for players, um, knowing that uh, there are things that can manipulate that that power meter, um, mm-hmm. and then knowing that you are limited 
in time, and there are two win conditions, right? You can collect or hire or recruit, however you you know want to call it, uh, one hundred unique champions. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, or you can defeat the lich, and the thought behind it is as you're building out these this party, this party that you're creating is comprised of whatever champions you end up recruiting. And so you might not get the perfect party. You actually probably won't. Um, but can you take what you have and defeat the Lich before her power grows too strong? And that's that's kind of that sense of urgency that we're trying to build with the, with the board game. Champions and player characters are something I actually really wanted to touch on because that really heavy element from Suikoden. So for those of you who aren't familiar with that franchise, what it is best known for is its ridiculously large amount of playable characters with unique stories and emotions. It's like, it's a lot. It's, I don't know how big the final fight is but i think it's like 72 to 100 and something there's like a huge number of characters yeah there's there's 108 characters to collect throughout throughout each game yeah it's an insane amount of characters and you get attached to them so how did you guys go about designing both from like a playing standpoint but also from background standpoint and like backstory standpoint the player character and these champions because like i said there's a lot of them and one of the win requirements is get 100 champions at least from a lore side of things uh i have pages and pages and pages of histories and stuff like that drawn up for this little world of mine so that when (laughs) it came time to craft heroes for our game it was easy to draw off of uh, cultures and stuff like that that I already had ideas for uh, Mm -hmm. and just like draw names out of a hat pretty much, make names up as I'm going uh, and then crafting a personality around their role. Um, But from the mechanic side of it, I'm gonna flip it back over to Adam. He understands that part better. (laughs) So, I, I had mentioned that originally the game was designed literally as a Sukoden 2 board game. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, first I'll ask, have you played Sukoden 2? Only a little bit, and when I was like way younger. Yeah, I remember yeah, being very fast. frustrated with how difficult it was. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> okay, um, then I, I won't go too much into that. But basically, what I did was. Um, uh, the play, the playable heroes were essentially the 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 main entourage, right? The the main collective NPCs and and whatnot that you have in the story. <laughs> uh, and I essentially designed the board game to have various main aspects. Like throughout the game, you had the one of the main antagonists, Luca Blight. Uh, he was trying to take over your headquarters all the time. So that became the centerpiece of the board game. Uh, okay. And, and then you got... So so you have a little 
five by eight grid in the center of the board, and he's constantly making maneuvers as you draw cards, uh, and you're trying to stop that, like you're just mitigating that. Then, of course, you have the, as you touched on, the, the 108 champions, uh, 100 for our board game. But uh, uh, if, you, if you recruited all of them, then you got the best ending in the video game. So we kind of brought that, the spirit of that into the board game. Uh, and then I did some other just like small quests and whatnot that, that were relevant to Sukoden. Because keep in mind, when I first built this, it was meant to be a Sukoden 2 board game. And uh, I at one point reached out to uh, Konami and asked them you know, what I would have to do to get a license. And they said that they don't work with independent people. So they just shot it down right there. And I was like, ah, okay, well, at least I can play it with friends. <laughs> so, and that's what we did. We played it with friends. And, you know, I, I shared the news with Ken saying, well, you know, they, they shot it down. I wasn't able to get a license or anything for it, which is too bad. Uh, and then we both had that kind of light bulb moment of, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've been working on world building for fucking forever. And I've got this board game and we kind of, we looked at it, you know, and we did that little like uh rubbing our chin while yeah. looking at the, at the board that we had down there. Like there's a lot of one-to-one like replacement here. And we just, I, I want to say in one weekend, we just, <laughs> we got out our little crafting scissors and got some markers <laughs> and just started redesigning a bunch of shit. And we're like, holy crap, it actually it fits. So now we've got uh, um, 100% original content for it. And and I I could not be happier, honestly. So the tie between the heroes and the champions... Um, you will be playing as the heroes, uh, mm-hmm. and you'll get a little hero board, and on that hero board we'll have a couple of key um, things to note. Uh, first of all, you'll have an ability. Every hero has a unique ability that can manipulate the game in some way. Okay. Uh, so, for example, uh, since yeah, I'm at my computer as well, I can pull that up and give a little demo of one second here uh, <laughs> uh, aside from the abilities uh each hero is also uh is also going to have uh four slots that you can plug in your champions so as you recruit uh you'll have different champions and each champion's going to have their own set of stats and whatnot mm-hmm. um, it, as well as synergies yeah uh so you can kind of design your own team as you as you get them uh, so one of the heroes we have is named uh, Varian, the Grand Magus, and he can cast a spell uh, that happens to be spells in our game are kind of like equipment cards, um, and you would attach them to a champion. However, Varian, once per turn, can cast any spell that's on his board, uh, so he can just kind of... <laughs> Take it from you, and boop, let me go cast it somewhere else. Whether it's a healing spell or a damaging spell, whatever the case. Mm-hmm. So he gets that ability. Um, some of the other key notes of this is uh, a loyalty side. 
right? So at the beginning of the game, all the players are going to draw a face-down loyalty card, and that's going to tell you if you are a betrayer or not. That's the hidden betrayer mechanic. Yeah. Uh, so you just kind of tuck that aside. Um, and then they are there are three little, uh, we'll call them blips, for corruption. As your hero dies, if your hero dies during gameplay, uh, there's a lot of reset that happens, and you'll gain a corruption. Corruption is no joke. Uh, once you get fully corrupted, you can no longer help defeat the Lich. So you have to manage that. Boom. But, however, on the flip side of the hero board, so the back side of the hero board, if you are outed as the betrayer, which, you know, people are like, man, Zach, you're doing some shady shit. I think you're the betrayer. And it goes to a vote, and they all say, yeah, we think he's the betrayer, and you reveal your loyalty card, you happen to be the betrayer. You flip your board over, and now you have a corruption ability. You are still in the game, but now you are there to meddle and thwart and fuck up with the rest of the players. So you oh. win if the Lich wins. That's such an interesting concept. I really like that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a freshing like take on it. For me, like the board game that I've played the most with like hero cards and stuff are the Dark Souls board game, which is a broken mess. I love and hate it. <laughs> the Bloodborne board game, which is a yep. broken mess as well, but less so. And Scythe, which oh, has, yeah. I love Scythe, has different character abilities. So hearing how that works, it's just new and fresh, and I'm really into that. But we've been talking about the quest to defeat the Lich so far. There are other quests throughout the game, and they do various things, including kind of flesh out the unique story that you're playing throughout in this game. But mm -hmm. other than that, what do quests do? How do they work? What 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 are you rewarded for when you're doing them? Sure. You want me to take this one too, Ken? Yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah, so quests there are... Well, let's, let's call them locations. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six locations on the board. Mm -hmm. um, one I've already kind of described, and that's the, the battlefield in the center. There is another location on one of the outer sides of the board that is just simply called the Guild Hall. And that's just where, as you accrue, uh, or accrue money, you can hire champions. That's it. Pretty simple. Yeah. Um, there is a quest at the top end of the board called Unite the Banner Lords. This one is... Uh, there's five... There's five card slots, we'll call it, and each card slot represents a, a different color of and sigil of a banner um, yeah. within our lore. So when you go there, you can play a card face down. Excuse me. You can play a card face down on the corresponding banner. So if you had a red banner, you'd place it face down on the red banner slot. Yeah. The reason why you do that is because there's still a betrayer out there, right? And you don't want to give that away. So once all five slots are filled, then you take all five cards, you shuffle them, and then you reveal them. That way the betrayer is safe 
for now. And if all five of the Banner Lords are represented, you complete the quest. And everyone gets to recruit freely out of the uh, the guild hall a champion. You get some gold, and you get to draw some uh, loot cards. Okay. So that's one of the quests. Uh, moving clockwise, I guess, around the board in my head. Not that it helps you, because you can't see the board. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, next is the Shifting Sands. This is a three-deck process. Uh, it's literally three piles of cards. You have to sacrifice... The, the narrative behind it is you're sacrificing your time and resources to dig through the Shifting Sands. And what you do is you discard two cards and you can draw off the top of any one of those three decks. The reason why you would want to do this is because somewhere buried in those three piles is the Lich's phylactery. Ah! And if you know anything about Liches, that's a big deal. Yes, it is. So, if you find the phylactery, as that, I had mentioned earlier, that power meter, that influence meter growing with each turn, mm -hmm. as it hits certain thresholds, the Lich becomes more powerful, and it becomes harder to defeat her. If you find her phylactery, you eliminate a lot of those thresholds. You make her weaker. So, on the other side of that, though, if the Betrayer finds the phylactery, the Betrayer secures all those thresholds, and you can't do shit about it. <laughs> so, uh. <laughs> there's the incentive for the Betrayer. Uh, keep going around, you got the Silent Isle, which is where the Lich is. Uh, so this is the endgame location. Yeah. Uh, there is six champion slots that are filled at the beginning of the game with six random champions. So you might have a bunch of the super weak ones, a bunch of the super strong ones. Who knows? Each game is going to be different. Uh, you have to fight your way through them. As you fight them and defeat them, though, they become recruited. So that helps out with the other win condition. Yeah. But you do have to get through them before you can make that final confrontation against Malda, the, the Lich. And when you do, there's some fighting going on. Uh, keep going around the board. We have Elzon's Castle, which is... Uh, he's a vampire lord that sat that once sat on the council with, uh, with the Lich. And so he's got some pretty high influence, but he's also kind of doing his own thing. So, so his castle, the way his quest works is as you're drawing the bad stuff cards, we call them, or the Echoes deck cards, Yeah. Uh, bad stuff happens. And every player is going to do that at the beginning of their turn. Sometimes you might get Elzon captures a villager. And he's got four villager slots. So if he fills up all four of those villager slots before you defeat him and rescue the villagers, he sacrifices them and the Lich gains a big chunk of power. So you have to manage that. As he gets closer and closer to filling out his quest, you have to go over there and combat him. You have to take him down a notch. You have to fight him and rescue the villagers, and then reset that quest. And actually, I think that's it. I think that's all the locations. That was six. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm pretty sure you covered them. <laughs> 
So there's a lot of moving parts then that yes. players have to manage. It's one of those games where it's both easier and harder with more people. Correct, yes. So, actually, this next question is directly for Ken, because I know that you've been world building for, well, apparently a long, a long time now. <laughs> yeah. How, how did you go from what was originally created to tailoring it to fit the story of this game? The idea in my head was a Dungeons & Dragons uh, 3.5 edition campaign, if I remember correctly. Started out working with uh, liches, various undead and stuff like that, but I was fascinated at the time with Mind Flayers, and I learned what an Alhoon was. Ah! <laughs> For those who don't know, it is a Mind Flayer lich, and they can be super fucking powerful. But over time, I realized I'd... the mechanics and stuff that were presented to me in D&D were too restrictive for what I wanted to do. I wanted to do my own thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I kind of crafted it a little bit for a uh, D10-based system my friend had created, uh, a friend by the name of Jeff. Jeff had been working on this system for years and years. I contributed and I helped with uh, designing some of it. Um, and I was kind of comfortable with that for a little while. And while the mechanic side of it was bubbling in the background, I also started developing the lore a little bit more. Instead of it being an Alhoon Lich, oh, hey, what if I, it is, what if this story is the first iteration of Undeath in this world? Up until this point, they've never had to deal with the living dead. What would that be like in a world that is, I think I decided at the time is uh, medieval, but one of the recent insights I've had is I want to put it more into like a uh, Renaissance era. Okay. So imagining a world with magic in the Renaissance era. That kind of got away from me there. I forget exactly uh, where I was going with this, what point I was trying to make. <laughs> I told you, he rambles. He rambles. Yes, That's okay. I do. These things happen. How did you bring it from that to the board game? From the D10 base system, it came to... Uh, I created a uh, writing group uh, from uh, local writers. Uh, we were going to do a shared world project. Okay. It wound up falling through. People weren't able to stay on schedules and stuff like that, so we all went our own ways, sadly. Mm -hmm. um, from there, it just kind of went on the back burner. You know, I worked on the lore here and there, um, tried to writing some narratives and stuff like that, but it wasn't until Adam came to me with the news that uh, Konami had said no that I half-sarcastically suggested, well, why don't yeah. we do Season of the Lich? He was familiar enough with it, he would know whether or not it would work. And like I said, half sarcastic, but then we got thinking about it and realized how well we could actually make this work. I'd have to pull some <laughs> new lore out of my ass for this, specifically for the game, but that's not a bad thing. I'm no. developing the lore of this world even more so that when we want to do other stuff down the road, we can. Like, Originally, what I wanted to do uh, before I'm going in circles. Before Adam got the news, 
uh, from Konami, we were talking about making Season of the Lich into a uh, tabletop RPG, but designing our own mechanic system for it. Yeah. Which, that's still something we want to work on down the road, but we realized uh, doing this board game is going to be simpler. This is a good way to get our name out there, get the, the uh, IP established, so that people are familiar with it, and then when the tabletop RPG comes, there's some fanfare already. Yeah. I think that about covers it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was definitely the uh, the chin scratcher moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean that that's great though. Like I love excuses to continue world building. So absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, hearing that it, especially when it started off as that Renaissance kind of vibe, and it's gone to this and like i'm sure we'll see more of the renaissance stuff in the future ken i feel like you're gonna oh there's so much lore that leads up to uh (laughs) that gets us from where i started to where we are now uh just really quick uh the prime villain in our game is the lich but behind the lich we have this entity called the voice they're a whisper of madness from beyond the stars uh, the voice invaded uh, one of the gifted magicians of my world named Malda, the Amber, the Amber Mage. Um, started influencing her, caused her downfall and stuff like that before turning her into a lich. Um, mm. Since then, it has been 800 years. At the time she became a lich, the voice launched a global enchantment that caused everyone to forget how to speak and uh, much of their previous life. Like, imagine waking up one day and not remembering how to talk, not remembering who the person in bed next to you is, who you are, what you do. And this is a global scale. Yeah, we're talking a global reset your level to level zero. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But on life, but on life. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you are an infant again. And so from there, it's 800 years for society to recover and stuff like that. And then that's where you kind of get, narratively speaking, that's where you kind of get uh, uh, the meat of what we wanted to do with the the tabletop. So as you play the tabletop, that's kind of the the space you get to play in. And we're like, well, what's the end look like? You know, and kind of like what Ken touched on before, but I think it's it's a huge point to emphasize nowadays we are so accustomed to undead like you could you could ask any one of your nerdy friends and go hey are you prepared for the zombie apocalypse they're like yeah i got a plan right Mm -hmm. but imagine you've never heard of them you've never seen them you you have no idea what that is yeah and then suddenly you see a skeleton an animated skeleton right in front of you ready to rip you to shreds so that's that's what we're trying to invoke with this. This is kind of like the game that takes place at the like the end of the second era of humanity, basically. Yes, precisely. Yeah, because that first era would end with the the voices big world spell, and then this is kind of like phase two. So correct. That's really interesting. That gives you a lot of space to play with too. It does. 
a lot of stuff to fill in, uh, which on a certain level is a little overwhelming for myself. <laughs> but at the same it's, time, it's room to play in. It's mm-hmm. Exactly. For any, any DM out there, um, storytellers and whatnot, that's a playground to, to yeah. just have fun with. Exactly. So, the one of the things, too, that I wanted to kind of bring up while we're all here and chatting is that you two are not the only ones who are big members of this team. The other one being Kirk, who is putting together the art for this, and from the sample of art I've seen, is doing a bang-up job. How did you guys find Kirk and get him involved with the project? <laughs> okay, so first of all, he's a fellow Canadian, um, and he's he's a great guy. Uh <laughs> Okay, so early on in our development, uh, mind you, originally with the whole Season of the Lich thing, we were thinking tabletop. And mm-hmm. uh, um, what is any D&D book or, or tabletop book without illustrations, right? So yeah. right right from the get-go, Ken and I are like, I can't draw worth a shit, so <laughs> we're going to have to find some artists. Um I got I I kind of made a couple of points to myself that I don't want to go to a studio. I don't want to go to a firm that does graphic design shit like that. Like I want to yeah. stay small. And uh past over the past few years I've commissioned a lot of artists on Twitch. So I was like, you know what? Let me reach out uh, it doesn't hurt. I'm just asking a question, and if you know if they if they dig the idea and they want to go for it, then let's fucking go. If not, then I'll move <laughs> on. So I, I want to say that I reached out to over a, over a dozen, fifteen maybe different artists. Um, when I when we originally kind of came up with the art direction that we wanted to go, mm-hmm. and uh, I. I don't know, man. I mean, it was serendipitous, honestly. I was just browsing the art section, and as I'm scrolling through, I find Kirk, uh, Kirk Shannon. He, uh, everyone should go look at this guy. Uh, A lot Twitch. of TV. Stuff. Yeah. Yes, Twitch.tv backslash Kirk Shannon. Um, fantastic line work. Like honestly, build the way he builds values with just hashing it's amazing and before i even talked to him i was like all right let's see if he's just working on a style or if this is his style you know so i checked out his instagram and his website and all that stuff and the very first thing i saw was this awesome frankenstein on his website and i sent that to ken (laughs) and i'm like this this is perfect this and he loves horror so of course, right? I was like, this is perfect. He he draws at a, mm, it's like a good, I don't know, it's it's like a creepy Disney style drawing. I don't know how it's else to Tim describe Burton. it. Yeah, okay, yeah, there you go, there you go. And and I I remember showing this to Ken. I was like, this is our artist. I have to get him on board. If I don't get him on board, <laughs> we're fucked. And. <laughs> So I, I just reached out to him. I was like, hey, you, are your commissions open? He goes, yeah. I go, are, do you do you have 
a lot on your plate right now. <laughs> it's like, why? What? What's up? And I just simply asked him via email, here's my spiel. I got a board game. Uh, I love the way you, you, you know, you create your line work. Your inking is impeccable. Uh, and it's very marketable. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's so good. And, uh, and I said, I'm making a board game and it's a grim, dark fantasy. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of serious kind of dark and gritty tones to it. Yep. But I want your style on this board game. And immediately he said, I love this idea. Let's go. So, <laughs> so when that happened, I mean, we, we'd had like, uh, it was just, I think I celebrated over a pizza. I don't know, something, <laughs> but yeah, it just, it just happened. It, I, I have no way to explain it. I did not go seeking him out. I just happened to find him. That's amazing. I kind of just assumed that you guys knew him somehow, even if it was through commissions. So like, that's, that's great. It's really cool. I've just realized we've been going for getting close to the 50 minute mark now. So I got a couple more questions to kind of roll us through there. But one of the important ones for this is that you guys are getting ready to kickstart season of the Lich echoes. When could people roughly expect to see it go live? We are aiming for a early October start uh, this year for Season Lich. So, um, mm-hmm. we, I, I'm not sure the exact date, but early October. Uh, okay. And and we are on schedule for that, actually. We're doing pretty well for it. Beautiful. And what can people expect if the Kickstarter does real well? I know you've given some hints. Outside yeah. of just the board game, there's the tabletop yep. role-playing game aspect. But is there anything else that you you would like to see done? Either of you, Adam, can anything. Yeah, I'll I'll jump in with one of the cool things that I've already got lined up and it's starting to go already. Is uh, so we just talked about finding Kirk, um, and we're just talking about the whole serendipity of it. I happen to find another artist. Oh, uh, excellent! <laughs> yes. Uh, he goes by Doomfruit Art, so same thing. You can go to twitch.com uh, backslash Doomfruit Art. Um, and he has, again, very excellent line work. Uh, but he's new to the game. He, When I found him, he's only been streaming for about a month. Uh, so he's brand new to putting his art out there. But it's fantastic, and it's one of the things Ken and I were talking about was obviously like stretch goals. Like, Oh my God, what if this is successful? What do we do? What do we, how do we build the value? And, uh, one of the things we wanted to do was a graphic novel. Uh, and so Doomfruit is 100% on board with the graphic novel. Uh, we're already working on a couple of teaser pages and they are shaping up to be fantastic. (laughs) Uh, so that's, that's one of the things. Um, one of the other cool things that we worked with Kirk on is, uh, right. Different pledge levels that you normally see in, in Kickstarters, right? Usually you got like, Hey, you can buy the base game or, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever else they have. Uh, we plan on doing an early bird special. So follow us anyway. Uh, I'll, we'll get to that. I'm sure too. <laughs> anyway, uh, but we, we worked with Kirk on, Hey, we have 100 champions 
what if that was a pledge package, if that was a, a, a thing that people could buy into to either immortalize themselves or one of their original characters from D&D, give us a short little backstory, tell us their class, their race, that kind of stuff, and then Kirk draws them and makes them a champion in the game. And he absolutely loved that idea, so that's something to look forward to, too. That's fun. Ken, anything on your side that you'd like to see come out of this, too? I'm guessing you'd be helping spearhead that graphic novel. In this case, uh, Adam is the one working on the graphic novel because my big project right now is doing an anthology of hero journals. Oh! Yeah, uh, so... Well, he lit up for that one, didn't he? No, that's super (laughs) exciting. So the thing is, like, you got a lot of champions, and it can get hard to, like, when there's that many and there's not much context, it's like, I like this one because he they have good stats or I like this right. one because the art is cool, but right. that's like something that you can be like, I like this one because their story is really good. Absolutely. Um, the primary focus is going to be on the heroes. Uh, the, what was it? 12 or 13 playable characters. Well, 10, 10 originally. We'll probably, 10 originally. We have, yeah, we have 13 of them designed. Um, so maybe stretch goals, Maybe they might not make it to the game. We don't know yet. But, yeah, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, the anthology is going to be excerpts from journals that they've been keeping of the days, the months, I should say, leading up to this final confrontation. So the idea is this anthology ends and, boom, you are at the start of the game. I love that. One of the things I'd like to see... Uh, if the Kickstarter and stuff is successful, uh, originally I started doing a novella uh, about uh, one of our heroes and one of the champions. Um, Mm -hmm. That kind of got put on the back burner because that's just so narrow, whereas the Heroes Anthology covers all the heroes. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I'd like to be able to get back to that novella, which... I probably will do anyway. I would love this to be the springboard for us working on uh, the tabletop RPG. Like, the more I think about it, as daunting as some of that work is, just the creative expression that is going to come out of it is amazing. Yeah. That's huge. Like, And I'm excited for you guys about it too, because I think that this game's going to be really cool. So... Last two questions of the night, though. Super easy here. But what advice can you both give to people who are looking to make their own game, but they don't really know where to start? Oh, go go to a craft store. I'm not kidding. Or, or go online. You can buy blank things. Uh, blank boards, blank cards, whatever. Get markers. Mm-hmm. Literally, just, just sit down and do it. Um... There's been so many times I've, I've had an idea, write everything down too. That's another big tip. <laughs> I've had an idea, uh, and, and I started fleshing it out and you don't know if it sucks until you play it, honestly. So don't doubt yourself on it. Just build it, put it out there, play with a buddy and ask for genuine feedback. It's, 
you just you just have to get into it. Um, you can theorize all you want, but yeah, until you just sit down and build it, it it's just not going to happen. Spot on. Uh, really, my side of things. Don't be afraid to draw inspiration from other locations. Um, other works and stuff that I've read over the years obviously have had influence on me. Uh, reading shit like H.P. Lovecraft or Neil Gaiman um, has definitely had an impact on my style of doing things. And mm -hmm. even some of the uh, tropes and stuff like that have been drawn from there. But yeah, definitely be open to inspiration. I think that's so hugely important too. Because so many people are scared of plagiarizing that they get wrapped around being so completely original. Yeah. And you just don't have to be. That's kind of some of the stuff that me and Adam got into was some of the things that I was doing with my narrative, uh, with my world building, was so restrictive that if we just changed a couple things, like I was going out of my way to make super unique characters and classes and stuff like that, and he's like, so we could call these dwarves, but they're your flavor of dwarves, right? Okay, yeah, I guess we can call them dwarves instead. Yeah, that works. So rather than coming up with completely, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. No. Yeah. You can exactly. have your own version of elves, dwarves, fairies, whatever you want. They're tropes that you get to draw on and play with. Yeah. It's like the hero's journey. The hero's journey has been around. It's been only defined for so long, but like that story beat has been popular for a very long time and is still yeah. successful for a reason. Yep. It started with Gilgamesh. Yep. Exactly. Okay, guys, last question of the night, though. Where can people find out more information on Season of the Lich Echoes and both of you? Well, you can go to seasonofthelichechoes.com. Uh, when you go there, you can also sign up for notifications. Um, we are hoping to see more people sign up with that, and we'll let you know before we go live so you can have a good chance at that early bird special. Um, you can also add us on Twitter. Uh, it's just at Season of the Lich. Uh, as we get closer to launch, we'll be adding more. We'll, we'll be producing a little bit more and more uh, little lore tidbits, share some art, uh, ask questions, get more interactive with people. Um, and I would also encourage everyone to go to twitch.tv backslash Kirk Shannon. K-I-R-K-S-H-A-N-N-O-N. Um, he's the artist, uh, and you can ask him questions over there as well, and he's more than happy to kind of share what he's working on as well. As for, like, I don't have any uh, social media presence really right now, um, <laughs> but one of the things we're hoping to do with the website is have an area that I can kind of blog on so I can give some of those teasers with character development and stuff like that. Little bits of backstory. Things that may be included in the game, may not be. That's still really fun, though. Like, that's a great space to, to be working on anyways. Absolutely. 
<laughs> As always, audience, those links are going to be in the description down below. Please go check out Season of the Lich Echoes. It's really cool. The website's really interesting, too. It gives you a definite vibe for how the game's going to be when, as soon as you boot it up. Adam, Ken, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute thrill learning about this game. Thank you very much for having us. Yes, this was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed your time here. And audience, thank you so much for listening. Adam, Ken, and Season of the Lich Echoes, they're scheduled to launch really soon, so keep an ear out, keep an eye out, go back them, help fund this game. It looks really cool. But until then, take care of yourselves. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Thank you so much to Ken and Adam for coming onto the show this week. Season of the Lich Echoes certainly made our introduction to board games a really great one. The game looks amazing, and from what I can tell, there's going to be a lot of different experiences every time you play. So go and support these two and make sure you check it out because it looks great. I'm going to try and keep things relatively short today. Tomorrow and this week on Friday, July 22nd at 12.30 EST to 4 p.m. EST, you can find me over on Twitch at the Lion Knight 42's Twitch stream where I'm going to be playing Shibuya Knights with the wonderful Mo Poplar. We love him here and he's amazing. It's going to be for a charity event for the National Network of Abortion Funds. It's a really great cause, so if you're interested in Shibuya Nights, if you want to support the charity, please come and join us. We'll try and put on a really entertaining show for you, and I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. If you like this show and you want to hear more, why not share it with a friend? Word of mouth is the best way for us to grow here, and we're super close to hitting that 1600 listener mark, which would be huge for me. I also have some really exciting announcements that are hopefully going to be coming out before the end of the summer, but we'll talk about that more as we get closer. We have another horror-themed show for you next week, though, so get excited about that. Until then, take care of yourselves, have a good week, and I'll see you on the next one.